Welcome to Pelly Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable to a performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. I play the seed too. What do you play? Let me know on social media. On today's show, we have high-performance golf coach Donald Scott. But first, as Gabe Byrne would have said, roll it there, Roisin. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? Welcome to the show. Today I'm here at the lovely setting of the carriage house in Carton House. It is a bit echoey, but they're drinking too many pints inside in the carriage house, and so it's a little bit loud. But I'm here with esteemed Irish coach from Donegal, Mr. Donald Scott. Welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm not three bad. <laughs> so we're sitting here with a cup of tea um, in Carton House. What are you doing in Carton House today? Um, well, I suppose today um, is my second day back coaching after the Christmas break. Um, First off, I had a meeting in Sport Ireland with David Kearney, our HP director, and a good guy called Alan Swanton out there, who's one of their uh, performance analysts, um, just going through some ideas that we had. And then um, I met one of the girls that I coach who's on our uh, Horizon program. She was getting a fit with Mark up there in Titleist, so sat in on that. And uh, we Mark's did a bit a of great guy, isn't he? Really good, really, really good. Even like... Um, the difference in the quality of the shots he was hitting just based on a couple of tweaks that Mark made was amazing. So, uh, so yeah, it was great. We sat in with that for an hour and then we did a bit of work. And now I'm here. What is the Horizon program? Um, so basically in the ILGU, we have three strands. So we've got the under 16s um, and then we've got Horizon HP. So Horizon HP would be basically um, your guys mostly under 18 who are fully invested in becoming a high-performance golfer. Um, and then above that, then you would have your high-performance program, which uh, I'm in charge of, which would be the our top five, six players. So all the guys on Horizon would be all the kids coming through that are um, have their set eyes and their uh, goals set on being a part of the high-performance program. What what age groups are we generally talking about here? Is it from under 12s, 14s, or is it under 18s over? Or um, it, it, I suppose it, it, underage golf is always an interesting one because you can split it in by age group, but ages sometimes with different levels of development at different stages. Um, you can't always say, well, like you're going to be under 16, you're under 18. And I think David Kearney, our HP director, has been pretty good on that. Is like, um, it's more about when it's, the appropriate time to step up than we will so like say for example the girl i was with today she's 14 but she's on the horizon program um because that's where her that's where her level is at right now she's ready to go out and probably compete against uh the under 18 guys in the next year or two um whereas some of the guys on the under 16 program might be 15 um and they'll come on maybe a little bit later than she did but you never know like you never know it's never a linear development, so it's kind of making sure just that who, wherever you are in your journey, you're with the appropriate group around you, if that makes sense. So Horizon would be like 14 to, to like 17, 18. HP would be um, 18 to 20, well, 24, 25 maybe. And then under 16s would be all under 16s. 
Oh, very good. So it's kind of like the Irish golfing system. It's kind of like how the New Zealand rugby works. Did you ever look into that? No, no, that's interesting. So they base it off ability. So whether they don't do it by age. So yeah. and especially in rugby, they're all different sizes. Totally. So you could have a really good 12-year-old, all under 12s, boys or whatever, but some are 12 stone and mm-hmm. some are seven. <laughs> and then, so they base it off weight and ability. Yeah. So that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and I suppose it's funny, even a friend of mine, his uh, wife was expecting twins there recently, and I was trying to say to him, just try and get her to hold on until January 1st, it'd be so much better for her for sport. Like, the, like, like you've no idea, they'll get a full extra year in the underage systems. Um, she didn't make it, they think they came on like the 30th, so... Um, that's a big ask yeah like, I know but, yeah you know. I asked him not her obviously but yeah again I think that's it's a shame that we have to think like that but with the underage cutoffs the way that the systems are run it is it's ridiculous Something, like you could have a 14 and 15 year old that are just like stratospheres apart yeah and you're right in terms of um, um, or Dave Carney is definitely right in terms of classing it by ability because look at a certain Roy McIlroy when he was 14 imagine if he had to wait Till he was a certain age, yeah, exactly. To get yeah. you know appropriate coaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so yeah, but no, definitely right. Question one on, on this little dodgy show is generally, and uh, what I'm trying to make it always on: What Donald Scott is your earliest memory of golf? Um, I would say my earliest memory of golf was um, my dad brought my brother for golf lessons at Merva Golf Club in, in Donegal. Um, and I remember I just tagged along, I was hanging out with my like mum and dad while Richard got a lesson with a, another group of kids. Um, that would be my that would be my f- earliest memory. I'd say I was about maybe like six or seven. Okay, look, that's pretty good. So going from six to seven to being one of the high performance elite golf coach of Ireland. So what time growing up? Were you like, okay, and it's not, well, hurling, Donegal, maybe not, but football, did you play football around other sports growing yeah, up? Yeah, I played a little bit of, like, soccer and Gaelic, um, growing up through school, a little bit of basketball, but my height caught up with me pretty quickly there. <laughs> um, but I think, like, from when I was about 15, um, the like, David Robinson, the pro in Bundorn, um, should have been an interest in me, um, and... Yeah, and then like fifteen to eighteen, I kind of like focused on like on golf, like primarily. Um, so yeah, but but that age, I would say that I was like decided that I would golf would be become my main sport as such. And then from sport to teaching it professionally, what can you describe yeah, what that journey was like? I suppose like I have a, probably an, an interesting journey where I got to like but two handicap when I was like sixteen, seventeen, and then I went to. Um, and then I went to UCD um, to study sports management, and um, that was a bit of a hit, like <laughs> for my golf, because I had to get a four and a half hour bus journey every week. Uh, Sunday, leaving on a Sunday, coming like coming home on a on a Friday, and then I used to work in the pro shop in Mundoran on a Saturday. Um, but the great thing about it was I did sports management in UCD and. I got the opportunity to hang out with loads of people from different sports and while I was never really going to be good enough to play the game professionally I got to I got to meet a few really good coaches like we had that 
the Irish women's rugby coach, I think, lecturing us at one stage, and a guy called Ken Robinson, who's heavily involved in DCU sport. And really, it was the interaction with those guys that inspired me to um, take up a career in uh, high-performance sport. And when I finished in UCD then, I went to do my PGA training. Um, and after that, then, I really wanted to get heavily involved in coaching. I worked hard at the junior program at the golf club that I was in in Evanstown. And then I got a job with the Darren Clark Golf School. And then... I applied for and got a job as a regional coach with the ILGU system and then that's kind of what plaf- like launched me into the high performance arena where whenever David Kearney kind of did a bit of a restructuring of uh, the high, the national and high performance coaching program he brought me in um, to help with that and then step by step then I suppose has got me to where I am today. Oh, that's an interesting journey. Yeah, 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 it's fun. it's it's hard when you like have to recap on it, but yeah, that's that's my story so far. So a good friend of mine, David Clancy, and he'd appreciate the mention because he does a podcast actually all around high performance. Cool, yeah. Interviews all these athletes globally, and his main question, well, one of his questions is, what? How would you describe high performance? Yeah, that's a good. Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a, it's a really good question. I suppose what high performance means to me is a commitment to being the best version of you you can possibly be, and in high what that what that has to mean is in the in that in the field that you're in that that puts you in the top one to five to ten percent of the people in your field. So, but it's the commitment piece I think that is really what high performance is all about. It's that commitment to being the best possible version of you that you can be. And it was like, I, I've not tracked your progress, but like followed you on Instagram and that kind of stuff. And you're always posting passages of books or um, podcasts or stuff you've watched or listened to in terms of like, take this, you've highlighted a paragraph. So you apply that day to day yourself. Yeah, well, like <coughs> it's, it's one of those things when you're, um, when you're involved in high performance sport or business, I presume, um, the the nature of the people that you're working with is they won't settle for anything less than the best. So if somebody's playing golf for a living and they have the ambitions to be one of the best players in the world, I need I need to be one of the best coaches in the world or they'll find the guy who is. And um, that means that for me too, it's really important that I'm committed to being the best version of me that I can possibly be and it's kind of like I'm a firm believer in that and as a, as a as a coach um it's my job to to learn constantly so that I can apply what I've learned to help the guys that I that I'm very privileged trust me enough to have me as part of their teams and trust me enough to uh to bring their you know to believe to believe enough that I'm going to add something to help bring their goals a little bit closer to them. So I'm um, firm, firm believer that uh, you can never learn enough. There's always more you can do. There's always ways you can get better, and that applies to me as much as the players that I work with. So I listened to a, a podcast only this week, and it blew my mind, BJ Fogg and the Night Training Podcast, and it was because I'm on I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to incorporate that into my week, whether it's for work or for golf or for fitness or for family or for those loads of things everybody's trying to fit in. 
but that kind of showed me how you can do it in terms of behavior so in line with the high performance programs you run for the different bodies how do you build that in or do you build that in terms of how to help someone change their behavior to reach the high performance level they want yeah so <laughs> it's funny like i listen to the same podcast and i've read atomic habits by james clear and i'm currently reading a book called nudge by richard taylor behavior change is one of the most difficult things to raise like that's the you know i think that's probably something that we all underestimate a little bit when it comes to especially this time of year new year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff there's a reason they fail again and again and again it's because behavior change is is so difficult and i think that's one of the things that we've done a really good job of in our national program here in ireland the last while is the culture the culture amongst the different players the culture amongst like um they they drive on the behavior themselves so it's like i don't really have to tell them to do anything i'll introduce things that i think are valuable um and obviously you know it's how much i value it and if i practice it that they're likely then to take it on themselves if that makes sense so uh culture it, it really comes out to culture and then surrounding yourself with um exactly like like one of the things bg fox it was surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and on a similar journey they tend to drag your behaviors along with you so i try and set an example i suppose that, and also the, the culture we've developed amongst the other players brings that on as well something i'm trying to do this year new year new me and all that bloody jazz but <laughs> is meditation because Dermot Whelan actually um, gave a talk in work and he's actually not just a comedian and radio host but he's actually a, a meditation master not a joke really yeah <laughs> right? right okay and um, so when he gave us that and how important it is even for kids I was like okay this is something that's relatively easy and how he explained it and it's something I was like I need to try and introduce meditation and everybody thinks you need a yoga mat and a zen and sit in a rock with a nice view for Instagram. But it's not that at all. It's breathing, right? <laughs> so that's something you told me beforehand you've introduced and it's really important for yeah. performance. So can you tell me something about, because that's something everyone can do to improve how they do things, is breathe. Yeah, amazingly. I, I suppose two, thing, two, thing hap two things uh, spiked my interest in breathing. So we were fortunate enough to sit down with... Uh, Joe Smith last year, and he spoke about how much they brought in mindfulness and breathing into their program through their SNC coach. And then a friend of mine was on the Dublin panel, and as we all know, especially me come from Donegal, uh, Dublin are quite a closed shop, and but they're really successful. I wanted to find out, so I said to him, eventually broke him down. I said, "Come on, give me something. What have you learned from being a part of the Jim Gavin setup?" And his answer was uh, breathing. He said breathing was the biggest thing he's learned from Jim Gavin, which blew me, like blew my mind. It was like, how, how do you mean? And what he said was, pretty much every practice session, Jim Gavin will pull them aside and make them go through like box breathing. So box breathing is like to breathe in, breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, leave it out for four, and keep that cycle going. And especially if he feels like their focus has gone, stop do a few rounds of box breathing and go back on task again. And I suppose when you watch Dublin play, that's something that they're unbelievable at is that ability, no matter whether they're down, they always seem to keep a very level head, this current Dublin setup. So we had a, 
a warm weather training camp in February and I decided at my like amateurish level I would do a, a mindfulness and breathing workshop for our players and I played a video of there's a really good video on YouTube of uh, Kobe Bryant and Phil Jackson the ex-Lakers coach talking about how mindfulness and breathing was such a part of their success and then I showed the girls a video of how the brain can actually change with a mindfulness program the actual composition of the brain can change and then we did a few exercises on it and we did a 10 minute meditation at the end and that was purely I didn't think it would catch on I thought it might be nice they might learn something from it and then when we did the end of year evaluations so many of them came back and said the most important thing that we did this year was that breathing workshop I've used it all season and they keep referring back to it now so it was almost it was kind of you know I believe in meditation myself and I try to practice as much as I can but it was by chance that I got into it with the players and yeah it's blown me away how many have come back and spoke so positively about it so aside from introducing breathing into human beings <laughs> yeah sure could you at a high level like mm. schematic ways what would be a high performance framework for you so in terms of I'm a big fan of compartmentalizing mm -hmm. my day, week, sure. even month at this stage. Yeah. In terms of fitting, everything's color-coded and all that kind of jazz, right? So what would your framework be for a high-performance team? In terms of? In terms of, like a, in terms of like a weekly planner. So I suppose the challenge for our guys are they've got if you look at it from a professional level let's say they play 22 to 28 events a year so it's 28 weeks on the road and then they'll have so you've, your tournament weeks look very different to your training weeks that's one thing um, on a training on a training camp um, you'll usually have a 4 or 5 day camp um, where you try and cover all the bases um, they'll have and they'll usually have a team of people around them they'll have a putting coach they'll have a, like a long game coach they might have a short game coach they'll have a, a psychologist a massive one on tours they have a physio um like the physios are booked out solid on tour so they'll they really look after their bodies number one um that's one of the things that i think i've learned most about being around some of the guys on the professional circuit is um they take such good care of their bodies and they're willing to invest in it so that would be a huge one um and then i think in terms of a framework um it's hard to say everybody's different and there's no one size fits all i guess like the the one thing that i've noticed about the the best players i've been fortunate enough to spend time with is the ones that have longevity and go on to do fairly well is they they very quickly adapted becoming the ceo of of you know themselves and they surround themselves with good people and they understand this they, they learn about themselves and they understand what works for them and they're not concerned so much with what other people are doing and um so yeah so i think i can't really say there's like a specific framework that um every player follows because every player is different but that would be the one big thing so i appreciate that in terms of everyone's different and there's no copy and paste for high performance mm. i think is very important mm. so anyone looking to improve or maybe a scratch golfer who's looking to get to plus three with a new handicap system might get there anyway uh, but is that you kind of have to do like if it was me yeah I want to be a high performance golfer so for me that's category one right sure so I want I would do a self-assessment self of my game 
weaknesses and strengths, uh-huh. but also of my time. Yes. And f- there's different categories. So yes. Technique, fitness, um, um, we'll say the mental side. Uh-huh. And just probably downtime is probably the section. Sure, yeah. It's like, so I suppose you have two ways of looking at it. You can look at high performance in terms of outcomes and you can look at high performance in terms of processes. So you can say, well, depending on where your goal is, like if you're, if you want to play in the PGA Tour now, with all the data that we have available, we can pretty much break it down and say, well, if you, like, you know, if you make more than two bogeys around, if you make less than four, four birdies, you're not going to last in the PGA Tour. So we can, we can say categorically, fairly strongly in that regard. The tougher thing is the processes. Um, so you could be, you could easily have somebody who'll never make it to the PJ Tour, but it's certainly high performance in terms of their processes. Um, in terms of breaking the game down itself, I think you've got on, on how you train. You've got four different categories. So you've got uh, driving, approach, play, short game, and putting. Um, within each category then that's certainly the way I like to try and break it down with our guys when it comes to developing skills within each category then you've got you can break those down into different skill components so for putting you've got start line speed and green reading for short game you've got trajectory landing zones uh, and distance control or spin control for approach play you've got distance control shot shape trajectory um, and start line finish line and then for driving you've got uh, trajectory, shot shape, start finish line, and speed. So, I I have for our guys on on high performance, I have that written out in a grid that I've sent to them, and they kind of know. Well, I need to touch these bases in my practice at some at, at some point every week. Um, in terms of then the training element is like whenever you're training any aspect of the game, you've got three different types of practice you can do. You've got technique, you've got skills, and you've got performance. So you train technique through repetition, you train skills through variation, and you train performance through simulation. And that's how we would tend to structure our training is once you have that broad framework in your mind, then you can design sessions and, and set up your environment for whatever outcome you're looking for. Measuring. So mm-hmm. high performance in business, the same as high performance in sport. It's a results-based industry. Oh, so um, what would you... Um, a successful year for a team or um, a program that you manage or help manage what would that mean for you versus we'll say from now um, testing season to November time when it's like re-evaluation season what, what, like, what do you measure is there yeah well uh, one of my areas I'm really passionate about is data analysts so like we, we use data a lot um, and there's all different kinds of data now in golf you've got Obviously, you've got your shot level data. So in the PGA Tour, we're blessed with like um, shot, uh, shot link, which provides a huge amount of rich data. So at our level, for some of the aspiring guys, they have to put in their own data. And there's loads of stat systems out there like Gameforge and sh- uh, Shots to Hole and Birdie Fire, etc., etc. Um, so the first thing we would probably look at is we would look at their data. Um, and the big thing that I try and look at now more than anything else is trends. So we take the whole, we take the year as a whole, and we see whatever whatever metric we're looking at it. Let's say if it's greens and reg, or let's say it's putts per round, or let's say it's um, maybe it's par five scoring, and we'll see 
where was the trends during the year so when did it spike up when did it spike down and then we try and reflect back on well, what was going on at that particular time in the year that might have caused that trend to go in a certain way and then we try and put a plan in place and we usually roll out each plan would only we would only be maybe a, a 10 12 round cycle before we reevaluate again and then we set another plan in place and we go again and we go again so it's hard to say i suppose we would set goals at the start of the year um so obviously the more more of those goals we hit the more the more successful the year is but i think more importantly is um those mini cycles and you know okay did we stick to the plan that we had you know were we you know were we really committed to doing what we said we were going to do um that's it's more the day-to-day stuff than the overall year stuff that i personally would be concerned about no definitely and i suppose that's why um and i'll go back to business again that's why everything is also broken down into quarters which is about yeah weeks. exactly yeah yeah the parallels are there so we're going to a bit more about what you do would you be able to tell us kind of and we're getting to like the year ahead and what you're looking forward sure, to yeah. doing um can you let us know i suppose the level of work you're doing so like i would have always seen yourself as a really good high level you deal with the international team in Ireland, but you do a lot more than that. So what's the CV look like? Not that you look for a job or anything, <laughs> yeah. but break it down for us if you can. Um, I suppose uh, I work with, um, I work with a few, I'm very lucky. I, I work with a few different unions um, and, and teams and stuff like that. And then I have like my private clients. So I work with the, our Irish women's team. So my job there would be to look after the, high performance squad and our senior national team so i'll travel to i'll usually do three or four events with them so like british am european teams uh world championships i work with the minute scholarship here as well um so during their their college term from september to april um we'll do training at the academy here and then we'll, we'll do it a couple of training camps and be a tournament away i work with the danish national union i'll usually do two three camps a year for them um some with their pro- professional teams men and women and then some with their um amateur teams and then i have my like private clients at home which would include um some of our like aspiring professional players some of our aspiring young amateurs um and then your day-to-day guys as well so uh so yeah that'd be that'd be like my that's the, the basis of my work um and then the, the kind of areas that i specialize in um i do a lot of a lot of putting work, striking work, um, fulsing work as well. Less so um, than in previous years. Uh, I do um, an awful lot of performance work. So one of my big jobs would be to look at the uh, look at data, help players develop programs, help help guys figure out how to how to design their environment to get the results they want. How to um, how to train different skills. What should their practice look like? Going out on course with people, talking about intentions, talking about uh, uh, how to manage their games around the golf course. Are they making good decisions, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So I would do an awful lot of that work as well. Um, so yeah, so that would be that would be a typical uh, work week. Just just one or two things then. Yeah. <laughs> try <laughs> try and limit it to one or two things. Yeah. I thought I was busy. Yeah. Um, so so you'll be doing a lot of traveling this year. Yeah, I travel a lot. I suppose um, certainly probably some t- somewhere every month. I would say um, 
I think one of the, one of the nice things about the travel and about the uh, working with different unions and groups and stuff like that is um, the cross pollination of ideas. So I get to spend a lot of time with other coaches, which is brilliant because then I get to ask questions of them. They might be higher than me, but anytime I go to like any any other group or there's other coaches there, I'm I'm learning from them as well. So I'm able to bring that back to the players that I work with. Um, and like even so far as like you know the the one of the Danish national coaches, he's he's a really good three D expert. So I was able to bring him back over here and get him to do the three D bio, which is like three D biomechanics, which we don't really have available here in Ireland for all the players that I coach to make sure that they're full. The players that I work with, that you know, our full swing mechanics is where they need to be, and not just from an opinion base, but that you know we can look at the data and say, yeah, well this is good. We're we're heading in the right direction and you know and injury prevention as well um so yeah travel a lot but that brings uh, it's not nobody likes being away from home all the time but then i get to spend so much time with like really smart coaches uh, i think i get a lot out of it too no definitely i thought of a question here and i forgot it so um <laughs> <laughs> so for you then personally mm-hmm. um in the time of year when everyone's saying they're going to do great things you don't have to tell me you don't want to but where do you where, what would you like to see for yourself looking back onto this year i tend i i i tend not to set, set like many like goals in terms of like at the end of the year looking back i think the big thing for me this year really would be actually going back to what we spoke about the breathing and mindfulness thing is making sure that I just set my intention every day and stick to it so um, making sure that I feel like at the end of every day I can say you know what I learned as much as I could today I helped everybody that came in front of me as best I can um, and I was good to the people around me like that they're my main goals I think um, when you work in high performance sport co- as, as a coach as much as a player you can be you can live and die by every result um so i think one of the things that i, I want to be is a little bit more mindful of the process for myself and not just for the players that i work with i remember my question okay good so um for everyone listening because there's millions right and <laughs> um, because you put up so much about improvement and aspects you again do you think is useful where can people find you social media wise it's at yeah, so I'm on, I think I'm, it's Donald Scott everywhere. The only two I really probably use is Twitter and Instagram, I would say. I don't really do anything else. Um, I have a Facebook account, but I never use it. Uh, so yeah, you'll find just Donald Scott, and I'm happy to engage with anybody. Oh, perfect. So that leads us nicely into the quickfire Q&A that everyone is subject to mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's okay. go. Let's go. It also signifies the end. The okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Not <that> <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, what would your walk-on song be? Um, I think uh, he asked me this just before we put the mic on, and I was scrambling for an answer. But I think it would have to be Fat Boy Slim right here, right now. Very good. Jim or pizza? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, Jim then pizza. Can we say pizza when you're on a high performance program? <laughs> yeah. Hat visor or bucket hat? Never a visor, bucket hat all day long. I would say it's it's uh, proving quite popular. Yes, definitely. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Uh, tin Cup. Guinness or Heineken? Oh, Guinness, no question. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Le Hinch. 
Dargarhi. Just because of the time, though. Not so much the course, but the time is amazing. Dargarhi, that's one more. Walk or cart? Walk. Win the Masters or win the Open? Masters. Would you rather drive it like Dustin Johnson or drive it like Zach Johnson? <laughs> Dustin Johnson. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Play or practice? Play. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for your time. Great having you on the show. Thanks, Moon Paddy. And we might have a chat in November, December, see how your year went. Yeah, I'd love that, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Thank you. Thank you for pressing play on episode one of season two of Paddy Talks. If this is indeed the first episode of Paddy Talks you've listened to, well, welcome. But there is 25 plus other episodes for you to listen to, so please do leave a review while you're at it. But this post podcast outro is more to let you know that my website has now launched it's www.pennylife.com so all the podcasts i do will be uploaded there past and present also there is some links to social media depending on where you live whether it be instagram twitter facebook youtube or indeed in audio format in podcasts wherever you get them also the main reason i did launch a website was to have all the content i created in one place where they like be fancy pictures on instagram and um, cheeky tweets that max homer likes to retweet on twitter but more so, so to give some value back to you guys and girls out there so there's a bit of a newsletter you can sign up to it won't be spammy maybe once a month so maybe once a month but the main reason for a newsletter is for giveaways and competitions and who doesn't like those so people i'm affiliated with like p2 grips c goth of course maybe some other places so check out the what in my bag section of the website and you might get an idea of where some prizes might come from also i want to say a big massive thank you to carton house golf club who have afforded me a little space there sometimes to interview people there so thank you thank god for getting involved please check out the website to sign up tell your friends like and share the show of course leave a review let's get back to number one in ireland as i have been gone since before christmas share the show with your family and friends folks thank you again for pressing play until we teed up again soon i'm patty <laughs>